What the fuck is up, world? Bialy, Tlaltik, Pak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Say, dicho. Coming about two weeks' time since my previous episode. I laugh because, honestly, man, I've been thinking about this last episode that I dropped quite extensively in these last two weeks and um i got a lot to say about it in the, in the nicest way possible because uh you know all of my boy dog all of my boy has been always will be i don't give a fuck how unique they're not unique they're not unique there's like three billion muslims in the world right <laughs> i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't give a fuck how offensive to me personally his views can potentially be at the end of the day that's still my dude yo you know one of the biggest problems that i personally find that people have these days is that they cut motherfuckers off sometimes even their own family just because their family or you know their friends and loved ones and shit don't share the same beliefs as they do like nah dog that's crazy as fuck man i would never do something like that i'd never be yeah i went through the fucking you know the 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 uh, liberal art indoctrination like these fools but i'll never be one of those you know, colored haired motherfuckers that's out there disowning our own family and loved ones just because they voted Trump. Like, nah, dog, I don't get down like that. You know what I mean? In fact, I, unless your views are explicitly, you know, hostile to my existence or are, even then, I'll fucking listen to these motherfuckers. Like, like, ah, oh, you stupid wetbacks, big, like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I'll listen to you. You know what I mean? To prove you wrong, mostly, but I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, live your life. I'm like, it doesn't really bother me until you start trying to threaten me with physical force. They may, then at that point, yes, obviously. You know what I mean? So unless you're one of those fools or unless you're like trying to harm innocent women and children, I really have nothing against you. Like, whatever, man, live your life. You crack all the crazy outlandish beliefs that you may have. You know what I'm saying? Um, as long as you respect mine, we'll be good to go. And uh, that's kind of w- where it is with my homie Allah. You know what I mean? Trying to get him to be a little bit more. I don't, he, it's not even he doesn't have to respect that. You don't got to do anything, dog. Just know that your shit is not superior to mine. This <laughs> is the point that I'm trying to get to. You know what I mean? Um... But um, yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about it. And from the, some of the feedback that I've gotten, it seems as though I wasn't alone. And I was anticipating as such because, you know, as I qualified it before I even dropped that episode, he's he's a character, man. Like, And I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that he's very, he's passionate. The dude is passionate and I admire that. You know what I mean? So beyond just being my homie for so long, he's, you know, something that I admire. He has something that I admire in people. And that is a passion, some, you know, it ignites the fires of their life for them. And it, you know, perhaps in many ways even consumes them and compels them to do things that most people would never even consider, not because they're incapable of doing so, but rather because they've just fallen into the average everyday mundaneness of the Western world or of life in general. It's so easy for humanity in general to fall into that, you know, into that kind of uh, mode of being. And because of that, it's always a breath of fresh air for me personally when I find people that aren't that because I want to be that and I want to be around people that aren't that because, you know, you you, you become what you are. You, you emulate your environment. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to surround myself with I don't want to surround myself with people who harm innocent women and children. I don't want to I don't want to surround myself with, you know, people who are always constantly a source of conflict. I don't want to surround myself with I don't want to surround myself with weak people in general, whether it's physically, you know, they don't go to the gym mentally. They have, you know, they, the, the the smallest setbacks in life get them down spiritually. They're not very in tune with this human experience. You know what I mean? Irrespective of which path they take to get there. 
which Portal, which Stargate, as I've mentioned before, and I'll talk about a little bit before uh, later on in this episode, right? That they choose to get there. Uh, I don't want to be around people that don't have any sort of that kind of strength. And most importantly, I don't want to be around attitudinally attitudinally weak people. You know what I mean? People who just have a, a black pill, for instance, uh, uh, a disposition towards life. Like, <laughs> that's not the kind of shit I want to surround myself with. You know what I mean? I want to surround myself with the exact opposite. And those those kind of people come in all sorts of flavors, dog. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're not perfect. Humans are not perfect. So you got to take the good with the bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, to to your extent, set your own limits. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You know what I mean? We're, we're all adults. You know, live your life. But what I'm saying is that for me personally, I'll break you off with a little bit of the uh, ancestral wisdom shared to me by my abuelita, my titin, to use the Nahuatl language, right? Um, I'll, I'll say it in Spanish and then I'll, I'll translate it in English. But it's basically what she would say. What she says is that una, una, una flor. Let me just say it in English, doc, because I don't even know the fucking Spanish way to say it anymore, right? It's uh, every rose, every rose has its thorn, right? To cite the, the poison song. <laughs> That's kind of the gist of what my grandma was trying to say. And what she's saying specifically is the reason why, well, for one, she's an indigenous woman. And flowers are very sacred in our indigenous uh, custom, right? So yeah, like flowers, literally people, okay? But uh, what she would tell me is, you know, you have to love the flowers, how they come. Like everyone loves the flowers when they're beautiful, but sometimes flowers have thorns, dog. And you can't just fucking love the beautiful flower and say, ah, fuck that thorn. You know what I mean? Like this flower is, is terrible because of this thorn. And it's like, nah, man, the flower is beautiful because of the thorn and everything else. It's all one thing. You got to take it for what it is. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not trying to tell you what to do because there's people out there in your life that absolutely probably should be cut off, for instance, and you should not look at them as a fucking, well, you do, but you know, maybe you should be weary of how you handle the rose is what I'm trying to say. Because yeah, there are people in your life that probably aren't in the best interest of you. As I just mentioned, the kind that I, in my life, I don't want to be around. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wish ill upon these people just because they don't, you know, ascribe to the kind of things that I value in life. Like they're, you know, beautiful in their own unique way. And um, that's kind of the point that I'm trying to get to with Allah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, dog, he's, you know, a rose and he comes in a very rag, a rugged exterior. And that rugged exterior is, you know, I guess necessary realistically in order for him to be able to to do what he's doing. Because, you know, I, you don't know really, I'm assuming Allah personally, but I do. And I can tell you that him coming on this podcast was something that, he did not take lightly. It was something that he thought about heavily. He prayed about heavily because he does believe as though he has a purpose and that that purpose is to spread the word of uh, Allah, right? And, uh, you know, that's not a very popular message, especially in, these day and t- uh, in this day and age, right? And, I mean, we literally just scratched the surface. There's so much deeper into, you know, that message that I haven't discussed yet. But the basic idea is that He's aware that he's fighting an uphill battle. And despite that, he's going to fucking do it anyways, which will require you to have the, the exterior capable of enduring the criticisms and hardships that you're going to be faced when doing so. Right. So I respect that. Doug. You know what I mean? But despite that, uh, I don't I'm trying to say this as nicely as possible, Doug. <laughs> I can give a fuck less about Abrahamic religions. He can go off his whole way, you know, trying to explain away how Islam is not an Abrahamic religion. It comes from Abraham, whether, whether you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? And me personally, you know, I just, it's just a story. 
The truth about stories is they are all we have. They are all we are. It's just one of the many stories that humans have told across time and space to make sense of this weird trip called life. And it just so happens to be the story that is being told while you and I are living, the prominent story that's being told while you and I are living here on Tlaltikpak. I emphasize the prominent part because, you know, Allah, if you listen very closely to our podcast, there was a point where he said, it's the only truth. There is no plurality of truth. There is no multi, uh, there's not this multi, uh, a, multi, a multitude of truth. There's only one truth and that one truth he believes is Allah, right? To which I respectfully disagree. I have a whole ass episode explaining why. The episode is entitled off the famous Nahuatl words, Azotle Neli in Pak. Is this the only truth on earth? And the answer is no, dog. I, I mean, I admire, you know, people who are, you know, have the resolve to be firm in their convictions, I guess. But I don't, that doesn't mean that that there's only one truth on earth. Like, no, we've known this for a long time. Long before postmodernism was a thing, people were asking themselves, is it possible that there are a multitude of truths out in this world that we need to be more, you know, aware of and perhaps even take into account? And the answer is, if you ask me, yes. And by the way, this isn't just because of my Nahuatl inclinations, uh, inclinations rather. I've always felt this way long before I even knew what the Nahuatl's ideas were about truth, right? And all that happened was that when I discovered it, it fucking resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, dog, I vibe with that. I understand that. It, does, it makes perfect sense to me that, you know, my ancestors felt this way. Because literally it's in my genetic sequencing, memory, mem- uh, memetics and genetics, right? Another part of the conversation that I have with Allah multiple times, and that is what makes humans human. What makes us humans humans are memes and our genes. He likes to dismiss Richard Dawkins, but I'm like, bro, you can't just simply dismiss the role that language and ideas have, you know, um, played in the development of human evolution. Something else I'm going to be talking about in further detail here in a little bit. And uh, because of that, you can't also deny where that information is stored. Where is it stored? In the genetics that make us. You know what I'm saying? This is why I look like my ancestors and you look like yours. The genetics that we have, okay? They're literally, I'm not going to get too deep into it from the Nawa perspective, right? But they, it's the information that is, it's the Tlaxcatlipoca, homie. It's that which is known as long before we ever came into existence. You know what I'm saying? It knew us because it is us. It's, you know, the information that comprises us and it's stored in us. And, you know, my ancestral information is different from Allah's ancestral information. That doesn't mean that his is correct. It doesn't mean that mine is either. It just means that we have different views of reality and that those views coincide with what it is that we believe helps us at least make sense of this, you know, time that we have here navigating this three-dimensional space uh, called Tlaltikpak, Earth, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, at the end of the day, that's all we're, we're looking for, a story to help us, you know, to help navigate us and orient us on this trip called life. Notice the heavy use of metaphor, by the way. It's not by, I mean, generally speaking, I, you know, most people do speak heavily in metaphor, myself included, but it's for a very distinct purpose that I'll talk about later in the episode, right? Um, for now, uh, I guess before I even continue, Doug, let's get some formalities out of the way. If you haven't already... Follow your boy on the socials, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram and something along the same lines on various other social media sites, including YouTube, where you can find all these episodes, their video form, right? 
I have I have been taking a little bit of a sabbatical off the socials, right? Be for my own personal reasons. I just you know, I'm I'm really getting deeply into this one course that I'm taking, this one ancestral course that I'm taking, and uh the Tezcatlipoca, right? And uh the meditations on our sacred Tezcatlipoca. And it's really brought a lot of um a lot of shortcomings that I have to my attention. I was aware of them, but I really wasn't, you know, aware of how deeply they've been impacting me recently. One of the things that people like myself, probably you too, if you're listening to this, are really good at is intellectualizing, you know, emotions, but not really feeling them. You know what I mean? And this Tezcatlipoca class is really helping me realize how I'm currently doing that, which is not a good thing in light of, you know, what's happened in my life in the last two years, which if you listen to this podcast, you already know. So I'm not going to delve any further deeper into it than that. But uh, the role that social media played in that is that I was using it to basically numb myself from that. You know what I mean? The pain of losing my brother. And um, because of that, it was, you know, I did a really good job of intellectualizing grief, but I haven't really, you know, processed it emotionally, which is not good. You know what I mean? Which this sacred Tezcatlipoca class that I'm taking is helping me realize because something else that I talked about long before I even fucking, uh, you know, started delving into the waters of our ancestral ways, which is not to pat myself on the black on the back rather so much as it is to continue to emphasize the role that uh, ideas being stored in our genetics plays. And that is how, you know, pain, pain is a good thing. Right. And that how in this Western world, we're only given ways to escape the pain because we're told that pain is bad. But according to the ancestral Nahuatl ways, this is the absolute worst way to be looking at it. Pain can be bad if it's left untreated, which is exactly what I was doing with my social media usage, among other things that I do on my personal life, right? But uh, social media is definitely the biggest one. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, it's not good because pain that's left untreated could be very, very, you know, detrimental to our existence. If you fucking cut your arm off and you just ignore it because you're stoic and you're like, pain don't hurt, right? You're probably going to get gangrene and it's going to fucking spread across your body and you're going to die, right? You're going to get infected and it's just not a good thing. The reason why it hurts is because it's something that needs to be tended to. And, you know, the same is true, obviously, of our emotional and intellectual pain that we have, you know, as a result of being humans navigating this experience called life. And um, for me personally, I realized that social media has become... Oops, sorry. Social media has become a way in which I am numbing myself from the pain that I'm experiencing. And it's not a good thing because it's been having, it does have, you know, resounding effects on our overall life, mine included. In this particular case, because I wasn't dealing with this kind of shit, uh, the pain of losing my brother, I was, it was having effects on my, it is still, but I'm trying to work on it, having effects on other elements of my life. You know what I mean? So I decided, it just happened organically, by the way. I literally just one day on social media, I was like, fuck, dude, I'm tired of this. Why do I, why have I been on, you know, Instagram for six hours today, however long? So I decided to put it away. And then instantly within like the next 24 hours, I had already started to feel a little bit better. And I started to wonder to myself, is this somehow related? So, you know, I, I made a conscientious effort to do, stay a week off social media. And the next thing I knew, I'm, you know, experiencing all these pains and emotions that I had not really allowed myself to go through. And, I, and because of that, I decided, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to have to try to lay off of the social medias for a little bit because 
until I have a better understanding of where I am currently, emotionally, spiritually, it, all I'm doing is numbing myself with it, right? So all of that, all of that to say that if you have messaged me on social media, if you have reached out because of the podcast and thought, yo, I'm, you know, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna hit this dude up and see what's good. You know what I mean? And I haven't responded to you. I hope you know, sincerely, it's not because I'm trying to diss you, right? It's just me personally trying to orient myself and situate myself and, you know, better understand the role that social media is playing in my life. And right now it's not good. And because of that, I'm just trying to take a break. So if I don't see your messages, that's why. If I don't, if it takes me a while to respond to you, that's why. Okay. Um, but by no means of the imagination should it ever be taken as ungratefulness on my behalf, because that could be anything but the truth. It's anything, it's further, it's the only thing, it's further from the truth than imaginable. Okay. I am thankful for every one of you that listens to this. I am thankful for every one of you that engages with this. I am thankful to every single one of you who takes the time out of your precious life to, you know, even concern yourself with what it is that's going on in the world of hood philosophy, right? So, um, yeah, just know that if I'm not getting back to you, it's not for any other reason than, you know, my own personal shit. With that in mind, I did want to give some quick shout outs, bro. The first shout out being to uh, Miss Marissa on social media, nonetheless, right? Um, it, it meant a lot. That, you know, I'm going to share it and I hope you know that it's not for any other reason than I'm just trying to show, demonstrate. It's an acknowledgement of the flowers that I'm giving you and in return, like, fuck, this is, this is pretty dope. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's the end of the year. What you, uh, what's commonly known uh, as the month of December, what we call Quecholi, the solar month of Quecholi, right? And uh, because of that, it's the time for the annual rewinds and recaps and the, you know, the Spotify list. I don't fuck with Spotify, but I, so I really don't know what it is, but it's like the most played. The basic gist is it's the most played for those of you that do, you know, use the, the Spotify, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I happen to be one of them podcast wise, which it really meant a lot to me. So for real, shout out to you. I, I cannot explain even through words, someone has, you know, I pride myself in my usage of words, but seeing that it really like affected me on such a, a level where I was like, I will. I got to keep going. I have no choice. I got to keep podcasting this shit. You know what I mean? So shout out uh, to Marissa. Uh, also, shout out, honestly, there's so many. And I'm, again, I apologize because I haven't you know, really checked my social media. So if your name escapes me, just know that. Shout out to you for real, right? Uh, if you took the time to message about the last episode or the previous episode, it really means a lot to me. If you took the time to comment on it, it really means a lot to me. And again, if just if you're listening to this, it really means a lot to me, okay? So, um, yeah, dog, let's get back into it, right? There's two things that we got to get back into, the first of which being the solar month of Quecholi, which, again, is more commonly known as December. And it's just, it's just always such an interesting time for me, dog, because, you know, on top of being that time of the year when the Huitzilin flies close to the earth and gives us the longest night of the year, it's obviously always the time, <laughs> it's the time of the year where we celebrate the greatest cooking story ever told, dog, and that is, of course, the birth of the JC, right? The Jesus Christ figure for the Abrahamically religious inclined, right? Now, if there's a tone of contempt in my voice, uh, it's not by accident. Because again, I've, I've really been thinking about this episode with Allah and it's really, really bothered me to such an extent where I'm just like, I know we've, we've, we've talked about this, you know what I mean? But um, there's just some things that I wanted to get on this bitch and spit and then mix it in with what it is that I really wanted to talk about, okay? 
And part of the reason why it bothered me is because the more I listened to it, the more I just felt like it was a... It's not him. It's not him. It was just a more of a example of the anti-indigeneity that it is that, you know, we have been facing <laughs> fucking for the last 500 years. And in this particular case, it's the rugged insistence that there's only one correct way and that it's conveniently that which comes by way of the Abrahamic religions. So it's like, bro, you know, I would give the Abrahamic religions as due props, but can they do the same? And the answer is no. And, you know, that conversation with Allah was just a prime example of that. And, uh, you know, at this point, in the, you know, I'm not even mad about the whole... Right now, at least, currently, I'm not even mad about the whole Christians slaughtering, you know, 100 million plus of my ancestors and relatives, about them stripping us of our ancestral ways, about them leaving us spiritually and culturally homeless for over 500 years. I'm not even mad at that right now, dog. What I'm mostly mad about right now, and that it just happens to coincide with this story, is that I have to endure the wrath of Jordan Peterson for the next three or so months because he's coming to El Paso and that really, really fucking bothers me, dog. It bothers me in a way that I cannot, I cannot, I mean, I've done it. I've done whole episodes on why it bothers me, right? Go back and listen to them if you're, if you're interested in doing so. But it just, it bothers me that because of this story about this young lady who was so terrified and rightfully so because she probably would have got stoned to death if she told the truth, right? About getting busted for being unfaithful to her husband that now... 2,000 years later, I have to fucking listen to Jordan Peterson complain about how, you know, the Western world is under attack. I have to deal with Jordan Peterson fake crying about how all of this is somehow the fault of those of us who don't fucking fall in line with the Western Christian world. So basically what Allah's saying, but, you know, from a Christian lens, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, Bro, this is not the only way to live life. There's only This is one of many. The Christian way is one of many. And yes, while the world, you can debate the merits of the Western world, you know, whether it's a good thing, it's a bad thing, if you ask me. It's mostly a bad thing intermixed with some good things. You know what I mean? Very, very small, very few and far between, right? But uh, mostly bad. So because of that, when when I hear things and when I see things, because, you, you know, if you see the writing on the wall, you know it's true. But when I see the collapse of the Western world, I don't freak out like Maude Flanders in The Simpsons. Will somebody please think of the children? Or like Jordan Peterson when he does the same. I see it and I'm like, yeah, that sucks. On to the next one. On to the next story, right? And now, because of, you know, the way things are, <laughs> which is not a, you know, a good thing, bad thing, that's up to you to decide. But it's because of the... The way things are that, you know, you have this Jordan Peterson cult of personality that arises and he makes other people feel the same who, you know, want to blame people like myself, gay people, trans people for the decline of the Western Empire. And it's just like, uh, it, it's, it's clearly not that. And we have to deal with all this because of this one young lady 2000 plus years ago who just couldn't tell the truth and say, nah, dog, this ain't the son of God. I got fucking ran through by some peoples and now I'm terrified of, you know, being stoned to death. So I'm just going to make a story up and then let's see, come what may, right? Well, come what may is it's the year 2023, 2024 years after this happened. And we still have to deal with, you know, people like Jordan Peterson. We have to deal with chemicals in the water, uh, the, the Europeans obliterating land in the atmosphere. 
the corrupt capitalist, crony capitalists who are controlling the government and devaluing our dollar and plunging us into constant wars of aggression against innocent people, right? All the while denying us Americans of the basic necessities like fucking food, water, shelter, medical care, etc. that we should just be given by virtue of being Americans, right? And then to top it all off, you're going to tell us that it's because the homosexuals won't get off their knees for anything except for, you know, to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's like, no, that's not why. And now, now just so happens the month of December, we're going to celebrate all of that. And it's just like, it's very frustrating. All right. That's my rant, dog. I'm sorry. Okay. And if I offended you, well, take a joke. Okay. It's not that crucial. At the end of the day, you know, it's... (laughs) This is more about what it is that was upsetting me about, you know, it's not upsetting. It's just, this is, this is why these conversations with Allah, for good, by the way, okay? Because as I mentioned, that's my dude, yo. Nothing, I'm not going to ever stop fucking with this dude just because he, his views challenge me. You know what I mean? But uh, this is part of what I mean by when I state that his ideas, they, you know, linger with me, which is not a bad thing, by the way, okay? Uh, in fact, look, man, ancestrally speaking, we value play. The Nahuatl value played very deeply, Okay? And uh, what what Allah and I were doing is a form of that play. It's not, you know, it's not an argument. At least I don't see it this way. How he sees it, I mean, I know how he sees it. He's looking, he's trying to convert motherfuckers. You know what I mean? I don't see it that way. Um, I see it as it's verbal jujitsu, which, you know, jujitsu itself is also a form of play that, the, you know, they didn't obviously know what jujitsu was and Nawa did, but, you know, physical activities like that were also a form of play. So jujitsu ritual play that's very sacred in Nawa culture. The conversation that I have with Allah, verbal jujitsu, and it's very sacred and, you know, the play. Not because I'm trying to overcome and dominate, the same with jujitsu, you know what I mean? If I actively went out to try to kill every single person that I roll with in jujitsu, I would never be able to practice jujitsu. No one would want to roll with me because they'd say, this guy's a fucking asshole and he doesn't know how to roll properly. He, you know, he's trying to hurt you, he's trying to kill you. And because of that, I'm not going to fuck with him. You know what I mean? The same is true when it comes to this. The, the way that I personally approach these conversations with people that have, all, uh, you know, uh, different views than I do. I'm not trying to dunk on them. I'm not trying to, you know, you know, own them. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to see where my ideas stand in comparison to theirs. I'm trying to defend my ideas and then see where they stand in comparison to theirs. And then from there, get stronger with my own personal ideas. I have no interest in learning your ideas, realistically. If your ideas, not just you, Allah, in general, but like anybody's ideas, right? If your ideas are, you know, intriguing in and of themselves, I will find them and I will clearly grapple with them. You know what I mean? But I'm not here trying to learn from you. Not because, you know, you can't teach me, but because you're not a, you you're not this fucking prophet. You're not a messenger. You're a person just like I am. You know what I mean? And that's true for everybody, by the way. Um, that whole cult of personality shit, too weird for me. You know what I mean? So um, what it does do is it is it helps strengthen me. It helps, you know, it helps me learn any holes that I have in my own personal uh, ideas and beliefs. And it perhaps could even, you know, help expose some terrible ideas and beliefs that I have. And because of that, you know, help me to get rid of them. The same way when I'm rolling with somebody in jujitsu, you know, like, I'm not going to worship a jujitsu person. That's nonsense. Like, yeah, I can admit, dude, there's some people who are far better at jujitsu than I will ever be. You know what I mean? But they're still human, right? They don't want to see me in the heater. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, dog, that's what it is, right? Um, but I can recognize that, yeah, they're better than me and they can teach me shit, not because they're the ones that created this, but because they are, you know, embodying it and in doing so, 
They show me holes that I have in my personal game that I need to shore up with either what I learned from them or more importantly, the things that I learn how to defend on my own from my own, you know, my own rolling of jujitsu, my own experience of life, etc. You know what I mean? So that's just more in line with what it is that I was, you know, some of the ideas that was really, you know, weighing heavily after my conversation with Allah. Anyways, I'm slowly, slowly working my way up to the fucking actual stated purpose of this podcast, okay? In fact, I'll just tell you now, because there's no point in belaying till the end anyways. I'm going to talk about it regardless. Uh, It's about the bicameral mind. And the reason why the bicameral mind is because it's just something that... Okay, let me tell you what the bicameral mind is first, and then I'll explain to you why. And then I'll slowly work into the bicameral mind. So bicameral literally just means two chambers. And it's this theory that was proposed by some psychologist who tells the name of the psychologist is not important for reasons we'll see soon, right? He's the one. Okay. He's the one that gets credit for it. This is why I say it's not important. He gets credit for it in the Western world. But ultimately, his grand conclusion, dog, his grand conclusion is all of reality is just a story. To which, you know. Indigenous people will look at you and just say, yes, we have known this for hundreds of thousands of years. Like, why are you, why give this guy credit in the 1970s for saying something indigenous peoples have known for, for literally time immemorial? Yes, the truth about stories is they all we are, okay? So that's why I say his name is unimportant. But if you want to look into it further than what I'm going to talk about, it's called the bicameral mind theory. And bicameral just means two chambers, Right. And what he's going to want to tell us is that that's basically how human thought and cognition was organized at one point in time, that there was two voices inside humans' heads and that something changed. We'll see as I progress through his episode what it could have been. But the basic reason why, I, you know, I was, this even came into my periphery was because what honestly, whenever I talk to religious people in general, the first thing that comes to my mind is the bicameral mind theory, right? So in further, me personally believing debunking of Allah's statement that there's only one truth, like, it's not true, right? There's a multitude of ways to look at reality. And one way that you can look at reality is through the bicameral mind theory, right? And uh, so the reason why I, I, you know, when I'm having this conversation with Allah or with religious people in general is because at the core of the bicameral theory is the idea that perhaps humans in the past, if they had these two different, you know, um, voices inside their head, which to this, it's not really that shocking because to this day, you have a voice inside your head, probably unless you're an NPC. I know I have a voice inside my head, right? But given the material conditions that we're socialized in, most of us believe those things to be the id, the ego, the super ego, or or to use the ancestral ways, another way of of perceiving this reality, the our sacred Tezcatlipoca, right? All different ways to say the same thing. And that is that there's a voice inside of our head that influences our actions, right? And what the bicameral mind theory is trying to tell us is that historically this was the case, but there was no distinction between the voice inside of our head and actual actions. So basically people back in the day, and I'm talking about like the Iliad days, the the Iliad times, right? Uh, they, They felt as though there was quite literally a voice inside their head talking to them and that that voice was the voice of God and that that voice was commanding them and controlling every single one of their actions. So when you hear religious people say things like, we do not have free will, it's all planned by, you know, God. 
that's the first thing that I think about. I'm like, yeah, because you have a bicameral mind. You're operating off of a of an ideology of a story that was framed by the bicameral mind. And because of that, you have these people who are acting as though there is, a fa- in fact, a voice speaking to them that is controlling their actions, right? And that's that's why, you know, on the heels of this conversation with Allah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to talk a little bit about the bicameral mind theory because, you know, the whole time that I'm conversing with him, and again, any religious person in general, you know, I'm, I'm listening to what they have to say, but I'm filtering it through the bicameral mind theory. Like this person is operating and discussing to me in such a way that they believe that there is a higher calling that is, you know, directing their actions, which I don't know if there is. I don't know if there isn't. I know that I do not care. <laughs> it's that simple. I, I really don't care. Whether the Christian uh, Abrahamic God, whether Allah, Yahweh, whatever exists, I don't care. It's not my story. That's the story of the people from the Middle East, right? It has nothing to do with indigenous Nahuatl culture. So because of that, you know, when I hear that story, it's literally the same as me picking up a work of nonfiction or rather a fiction and saying, oh, this is a cool story. You know what I mean? Like Harry Potter universe, it's a cool story, but it has no bearing on my life at all whatsoever. The same is true for the Abrahamic religions. Like, yeah, I can read the story, but it, it means nothing to me. You know what I mean? And when I hear people talking about it, all I'm thinking about is, you know, yes, here's there this I, I understand your story. Here's how my story differs, but also the bicameral mind theory. Like this person is operating from a, a a story that was written by the bicameral mind, right? So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But before we get there, there's still some more things about that, you know, previous episode with Allah that I wanted to square away from my own on my own personal end. Uh and also because, you know. I mean, if you're vibing with this podcast, chances are you probably agree somewhat with what it is I have to say. You might not be a Nahuatl, a person, you know, a cultural Nahuatl descent like myself, right? Uh, you might not be, you know, you might be a Christian. You might be a fucking Muslim. But, you know, hopefully you're also like me in the sense that you're able to vibe with people who have different ideas and beliefs than you do, right? So the reason why I'm qualifying it then is saying that I'm not just saying it for my own peace of mind. I hope that it, you know, is relatable to you as well. Okay, but uh, one of the things, you know, that really bothered me, I'm not going to lie. And this is something that I I have talked to Allah about on multiple occasions is the name. Like that's one of the ways that he likes to try to undermine this indigenous Nahuatl philosophy. And uh, he'll always say like, because I'll tell him, don't call me by my slave name, which if you listen to that previous episode, you'll know what it is. You'll never hear me say it. Right. I mean, I guess I do occasionally. I forget. Right. But you'll hear me say ice motherfucking nice. I know the name shit is. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like the most random beef to have, but realistically, it's something that I personally have struggled with for a very long time. I do not like my given government name. I've hated it since I was a child. And uh, the older I've gotten, I've started to understand, I've understood why. It's a slave name, dog, and I don't like being called it. I very rarely, you know, I'll forget sometimes. And when I meet people, I'll be like, oh yeah, my name is whatever. You know what I mean? But for the most part, I'll be like, nah, dog, my name is Ice. Ice motherfucking nice, Right. To which uh, one of the critiques that Allah likes to say, like his little digs is, oh, that's your indigenous name? Mm-mm, it's not, obviously, right? And in fact, the honest truth is, I didn't know my indigenous name until literally a week ago. And the only reason why I'm fucking even talking about this is because uh, it's just it, it, it lends further credence to the idea that I'm going to talk about here shortly before I get to the bicameral mind. And that is just... The distinction, the distinct worldviews. Like, I'm not discounting the Muslim worldview. I, I have no problem admitting that it exists. And, you know, people obviously live their lives in accordance to that. And in fact, 
as I've mentioned before in previous episodes of the podcast, I think that religion in general and ideologies like that specifically, they're, look, man, heaven might be real, dog. And hell might also be real too. And I think that if you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jewish person, perhaps even, they're definitely real because you believe in them, right? And I think that your religion is going to be a stargate to help get you there. It's a portal to get you there, okay? It's a whole practice. It's an elaborate ritual, your religion, that's preparing you to transition from this dimension to another dimension. And how you act is going to determine which way you go, right? I don't doubt that that's true, but I know I'm not going to either one because I don't believe in your religion. I don't believe in your practices. I'm not practicing anything of what your rituals are to get to those dimensions, right? In fact, I am looking forward to returning to my dimension where it is that we come from before we come here. And that is to the Mictlan with my ancestors, right? And that's part of the reason why I bring up the whole name issue in the first place, because, you know, just one of the things that our ancestors and Nahua ancestors believed in is that we don't enter into a, a world of chaos. It's a world of, it, you know, it's very, stru it's structured. It's, it, it is the way it is for, uh, for a reason. And the reason is, ultimately, it's a grand expression of the cosmo, of the cosmic force, of ultimately the vivifying force of the universe, which, as I've mentioned multiple times on this, on this podcast, is Teot, right? And there's already machinations in play when we enter into this world that predate us and that will, long, will exist long after we come into play. We're literally just filling a role. You know what I'm saying? And, uh... That role, where you were born, when you were born, is, the, you know, is determined heavily, I should state rather, that role is determined heavily by when you were born, where you were born, etc., all the types of, you know, conditions you were born into. And a large part of that is actually your name, uh, according to uh, some of these ancestral traditions, right? And uh, I just thought it was beautiful because it was one of these things that I personally have always struggled with. Again, my name, right? And, you know... I overcame it a long time ago. I'll just tell people, nah, dog, don't call me by that. That's my slave name. My name is Ice. Ice motherfucking nice if you nasty, right? But uh, now I know. And it's just the way that it happened. It literally happened a week after my conversation with Allah, where he was trying to use that as a dig. And my ancestors were like, nah, dog, we got you, okay? We got you. We walk with you. We walk among you. You are us and we are you. It is, we live in your genetic code. And one day you will be an ancestor that passes on that genetic code as well, right? So we got you, right? I got my indigenous name is one of them, I should state, right? There's a whole ass story behind how names go, and I'm not going to talk about it. It just, it really helped me personally again. This is all it is, dog. It's a story. There are different stories that help bring us peace as we navigate this experience called life. And for me, per for Allah, I'm sure the Muslim story is exactly the kind that he needs to get through his life to which i say dog more power to you and if it's a christian story that helps you get through life more power to you i'm gonna talk shit i'm gonna make fun of it but if you're my homie you'll probably have no problem with it because that's how friends act with one another okay i know that the social progressive dorks have a really hard time understanding this but if i make fun of you as i mentioned before it's not because i don't like you if i don't like you i won't even talk to you or about you 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 mean nothing to me Right. But if I like you, I'm going to make fun of you. And I doubt if God is real, that he's going to get so upset because I like to say shit and fuck on a podcast. Right. Or because I like to make fun of how Jesus Christ's mom got knocked up and made a whole story about it. Right. He's got other things to worry about them. There's kids being murdered all across the world by the United States military. Right. Um, I doubt he's so worried about whether I'm jerking off or making fun of JC's mom. Right. Uh, anyways, tangent. The whole naming shit, right? It's like, it helps me feel more at home on Tlaltikpak, which 
you should. We should feel at home, at ease, where it is that we spend our waking life, right? Just as we should feel at ease to where it is that we're going to go after we depart this life. Christians, Muslims, etc., you believe you're either going to heaven and hell, and if that helps orient your life here on earth, more power to you, as long as it makes you feel comfortable, right? But that don't mean mine is wrong, dog. It means that, no, I don't want nothing to do with the Christian story or the Muslim story. I don't want to go to heaven or hell. My ancestors aren't in heaven and hell. My ancestors are in the Miklan, and I want to go back with them when I depart this place. You know what I'm saying? So that, I know, just a small little tangent, but it was tangential enough for me to really want to be like, nah, I got to talk about this. You know what I mean? And by the way, in case you're wondering, the name is very long, okay? And honestly, I don't want to share the majority of it, right? For one, because it's the name I was born into and I could potentially get another one. So I'm not going to say this is my name. And then like, you know, five months, five years later, be like, actually, this is my name. And I'm not going to do that. Okay. Secondly, because you already know my name. It's Ice Nice, homie. That's my name. Okay. Uh, but I will share a part of it. And it is Matlakye Tochli Shiwa. All right. Shiwi, I should say. Okay. And it just, just knowing what that means for me personally. And if you speak you know, Nawa, know if you know what that means too, like it just, it, it meant so much to me, you know, like a little bit, a little bit more of a root to help ground me to this slippery earth, right? Which is not an accident in language. It's not an accident in language because again, according to Nawa philosophy, that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking to ground ourselves, to grow roots on this slippery earth in a world of constant flux and constant change. It's slippery earth that's always moving. We want some sort of stability. We want to be grounded to the earth. So for me, just that one little bit of the name that I shared with you was, you know, enough to help ground me further into this land of my ancestors. And when that time comes, my ancestors aren't going to... Look, here's what my ancestors are concerned about. Am I being a good ancestor to the future peoples that come after me? That's what they're concerned about. Am I cultivating and offering the best flowers possible to help elevate the community that I live myself, that I, that I find myself living in? That's what my ancestors care about. They don't care whether, um, you know, they don't care about, it's not that I don't want to say that they don't care about it, dog. But, bro, Nahua culture is Pashangis, homie. There's a reason why they call it the Pashanga. It comes from in, indigenous ancestral Nahua language, right? Pashanga is party, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, right? Well, Mexican Spanish, because I don't even know if Pashangis is fucking, Pashanga is a, a, a word in other forms of Spanish, because like I said, that's, it, it, it has its roots in Nahua culture. Right. And a Pashanga, it's it's named after the the monkeys. OK, Shangos. Right. And the reason why is because Shangos are Ozomatlis in Nahuatl language. And the Ozomatli is revered in Nahuatl culture for a variety of its practices, as I mentioned before. But it bears repeating. What is one of the things that, you know, uh, the, the Ozomatlis do? They gather collectively in their little troops. What else do they do? They fucking have a great time. They're there enjoying each other. When they're not off hunting and trying to ensure their survival, they're enjoying their life, right? So when we say Pashangis, that's what we're talking about, which is, you know, something that kind of like rubbed me, it always has rubbed me the wrong way about, you know, Abrahamic religions. And that is that they're not about that Pashangis life, dog. They're not about that Pashangas. You know what I mean? It's very solemn, very stern, very, you know, aesthetic aesthetic rather in the sense that you must deprive yourself of all the beauties in life to which me personally i'm like dog again if god does exist the christian god is real you know first of all i'm not gonna go to that heaven 
Second of all, I very highly doubt that he's worried that I'm over here enjoying my life the way that I'm doing it. Even if I'm going to, especially I should state rather, if I'm going to get to exactly where it is that you're going to get by, you know, you being a Christian or a Muslim person in life uh, by, by depriving yourself of all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like you might feel as a Christian Muslim person, you have this life trajectory that God put you on earth towards, right? I am here to offer my flowers, both of which require the same exact commitment, okay? And if you're going to get there and I'm going to get there, what difference does it make if, you know, I'm enjoying my time doing so and not depriving myself of the bashangi, you know what I mean? Of the, uh, of the, of the to use the Nietzschean language, uh, more reason why, you know, I've always resonated with Nietzsche and didn't realize it until I learned the ancestral ways, but to use his uh, language, the, the Apollonian. I'm enjoying the feast, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, uh... <laughs> The idea that I'm not going to be, you know, that I'm not walking faithfully or truthfully or authentically because I'm doing so. It just seems nonsensical to me, dog. Like, yeah, we're here on this slippery earth. We don't know where we came from. We don't know where we're going. And guess what? I don't give a fuck. I'm just trying to offer my flowers, dog. The school's closed. The prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker. We rolling. Huh? Where them light-skinned girls and the Cali Rollins. That's, you know what I mean? Like, it's hood philosophy, bro. This is, you know, it's meant to be fun. We're here to have a good time. We're here to offer the flowers. We are here to, uh, you know, be of service to our community. But we are also here to be also motley. We're here to have a good time, to enjoy our surroundings, not, you know, live this, again, <laughs> acerbic, uh, ascetic lifestyle where we deprive ourselves of all the beauties of life and somehow trying to prove that that makes us worthy of getting to a heaven. Like, no, nah, man, I'm not with that. What is hood philosophy? Well, it's many things, homie. But one of the things that it absolutely is at the core is my expression of the reality that I find myself living in. And by the way, that reality itself is just an expression of a higher, you know, truth. I get not even truth, dog. It's just because that's European ways of speaking it. It's an expression of the greater cosmos, homie. And the, the great, you know, here on earth is just a, a, a manifestation of the greater cosmos, okay? Myself and you included. Trees, waters, mountains, they're all sacred. They're all manifestations. You know, the natural world, whether it's a monkey or a river, it's all a fucking manifestation of the greater cosmos, the grander cosmos, myself and you included. You know what I mean? So when I state that hood philosophy is just an expression of my reality, it's an expression of the grander cosmos in general, dog, that's being filtered through me. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, this is one of the sources of contention, not, yeah, I'll say sources of contention that I've had with Allah for a very long time, right? And uh, the reason is here is at my core, long before my ancestral knowledge kicked in, you know what I mean? I started to learn and delve into the ancestral knowledge, I should state. I was really, and this is me personally as, you know, a philosophy student, I was really drawn towards phenomenology, dog. And phenomenology, simply put, it's the study of consciousness. I've done a little bit of phenomenology. Well, I guess realistically, this whole if you listen to this podcast, you've listened to a phenomenological project, okay? But I've delved into phenomenology a little bit with Heidegger. So the episodes on Heidegger, like I really delve into it, okay? And I've meant to delve deeper into it, but it just, again, it, the more I learned about my ancestral ways, the less and less European philosophy, it became of importance to me. So there's really no reason, you know, I, I feel... Other than it's interesting to teach other people what phenomenology is, right? To delve any further into what the European people have to say about it. But the basic idea is that because I personally, and you too, are an expression of the grander cosmos, an expression of the sacredness, 
that means that we have a very unique experience of reality, okay? And for me personally, it seems it's almost a slap in the face to the creator, the creation, right? To the created, because they all is the creator and the created, right? That's what we mean when we say it's a grander expression of the it's a it's a, an expression of the grander cosmos, right? But uh, to me, it's like a slap in the face to take that you know expression of life that we're currently experiencing, you know what I mean, and reduce it to something as simple as a copy of something else, you know what I mean? So it's okay. So I'm gonna try to be as you know surface level with this as possible, just to try to get convey the basic idea. But I'll give you, I'll do so by using a personal example. One of the things that I personally drives me insane is popular music, pop music, and specifically that fake rap shit on the radio. Like, I can't stand it, dog. The, what, how, how do Dead Press call it? What do they refer to it as? The fake Doug R&B rap on the radio, right? On the, the song, it's bigger than hip hop, hip hop, right? That song. And it's true. It really is true. Like hip hop is a phenomenological tool that allow hip hop, not rap, not that shit you find on the radio, hip hop, dead press, etc. It's a tool, a phenomenological tool that can be used to express your unique, our unique experience of consciousness. And what makes it a travesty is that when people use that tool to mimic other people, which I get capitalism, you're trying to make money, right? But at the same time, you're doing so at the expense of your own, this is, again, my own personal beliefs, could be wrong, I don't care, but it's like you're, 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 you're pursuing that path at the expense of the one unique opportunity that you have to use this phenomenological tool, hip-hop, to offer the flowers that you actually have to offer to your, you know, to, to, to your community, for yourself, for your own personal, authentic self, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so that, that's, that's one of the things that really upsets me about hip-hop culture or rap culture in general, like that kind of rap music, right? Is when people don't do that. And more importantly, what even makes it even more upsetting is when I find people who have been brainwashed by that and then they play that role. It's like, oh, you're a disgusting person. I don't even know who you are, like personally, but you quite literally disgust me because there's no authenticity to you. There's no originality to you. You are a simulacra. You are a copy of something that you found on TV or social media and you decided that you're going to reproduce that, which is fine. Like, live your life. But for me personally, I find it as a, a slap in the face to the one, this one brief fleeting moment of consciousness that you have and the one unique opportunity that you have to, you know, take, to, 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 to cultivate, I guess. No, I don't guess. I know to cultivate this this expression this grander expression of the cosmos that you call your consciousness by you know cultivating the flowers that you have to offer and instead of doing that you're copying fucking you know popular culture which is just ugh, it's disgusting to me you know what i mean but the same is also true of religion like i feel the exact same way about religion so when i have people like allah again who are talking to me about the religious i'm just thinking about it like dude all religion is it's conformity it's spreading this message of conformity that has existed that was created pr probably realistically for no other reason than to ensure the survival of a small group of people and then somewhere in that mix the story you know whether it's christianity judaism islam probably not judaism because they don't actively recruit people right uh it's mostly the muslims and the christians that are out there trying to convert people right but uh from there is where that story grew to these large 
numbers that we have today. But at the core of it, it was just a way of controlling a particular group of people to ensure, perhaps at the very base of it, their survival. How do you ensure people's survival? Your small group of people because you're interested in, you know, you know, uh, the survival of your genetics like every other animal on this planet. Well, you make sure they don't do certain things. You practice ritualistic behavior that in a time before science you knew could protect people. Like let's use the, 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 the Bible, the Old Testament specifically, uh, you know. One of the reasons Jewish people have always been hated on is because whenever there's a plague, historically, whenever there were plagues, Jews always seem to be, you know, not as affected by the plagues as other peoples. And this is in Europe, by the way, just so we're clear. Um, and because of that, you know, the, the Europeans would look at them and say, oh, the Jewish people must have done this to us. And that's why we're suffering uh, from, you know, this plague and this disease while their culture is not. And it's like, are you sure it was some sort of weird fucking Jewish black magic that caused this great plague, like literally the bubonic plague, right? And because of that, they put this kibosh on you and your whole culture is being decimated? Or is it more likely, is it more likely that Jewish people, because of the dictates of their fucking Bible, are just cleaner than European people were <laughs> during the great plague? They used to, you know, still do. They're very rigid about their, their you know, their, their, what is it? They're, how, they're, they were sanitary people. Okay, I keep washing. I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together. For those of you who are listening only, like washing your hands, right? Historically, they've always been that way, right? Because they figured out since however long that you have to be clean in order to ensure that you don't die from disease. You know, people always ask, I know me personally, I was always wondering, why don't Muslims and Jewish people eat pork? It's because of trichinosis. If you eat fucking pigs back in the day and you didn't know how to uh, cook it correctly, you could have died from trichinosis, right? So they tell you, don't eat meat, don't do this, don't do that. You must wash your hands. You must remain clean. All of which was like a taboo in Europe at the time because they saw water as uh, as harmful. And this is a whole ass story that I'm not going to talk about, right? But the basic gist is, historically speaking, European people were very unsanitary. And the reason why is because they were afraid of water. Uh, the illnesses that they, they thought came from water, right? So they avoided it. And because of that, that's more likely why you they, they died disproportionately from things like the Black Plague as opposed to some Jewish black magic that was put on them, right? But how is it that then, then that the Jewish people survived? Because of the stories that they told each other and they managed to preserve and pass on through time. You know what I'm saying? So that gets to this whole point of how these stories that are now the more prominent religions in the Western world we're created to ensure conformity, control. We're trying to ensure the survival of our peoples. How do we do so? Make sure they, you know, they're sanitary and that they're able to endure the any potential illnesses that are born from being unsanitary, right? And then from there, it just expands and it becomes a, a greater model of control that is used to fucking, you know, exercise control over larger populations for a variety of reasons, bro. There's a variety of reasons why people do this. If you ask people like Allah, they'll state because God said so and this is the only way to live a good life and we must all fall in line to like a caliphate type shit, right? If you ask Christians, they'll tell you the same thing. If you ask any group of people, if you ask cowboy fans, the world would be a better place if everyone was, if every single person was a cowboy fan. If you ask Republicans, they'll tell you the same. Like that's human nature type shit. You know what I'm saying? And religion is was no exception, which is the perfect time now, finally, to introduce the bicameral theory in further detail. Like that's that's the whole point. Look, man, it's a it's a whole ass book. And there's no way that I'm gonna do it in detail. Okay. I'm just gonna introduce it 
And perhaps one day I'll do a deep dive into it. Probably not, because I really don't care that much about it. Uh, but I do encourage you to look further into it if you're interested, right? I, I'm really only introducing it because it, it, like I said, it helped me. I'm trying to fill you in on my own personal thoughts during that episode with Allah, right? Because I, I, the feedback that I did get from the time that I did, you know, from the the uh, the people that I did reach out to, or rather, that did reach out to me, and I, you know, saw some of their feedback, was that it was something of a controversialish, controversialish. But uh, episode, <laughs> that's a weird word to say. Try it. And uh, the reason why I wanted to fucking jump on this bitch and then just, you know, run it back, basically, is because I wanted to make sure, I guess, two things. First of which being, I wanted to make sure you didn't think that I had like unquestioned, even though I challenged them perhaps more than I probably should have. I should have given him more of a space to speak. Right. But I, I feel as though I, I challenged him enough to, you know, advance this idea but i did want to make it explicitly clear that there's no part of what he was saying that you know i was like in firm full agreement with right um but at the same time like he's my guest he's my homie and i'm not going to invite people onto my fucking show and then just like i said dunk on them or try to shut them down like no dog i'm here to, you know i'm here to converse with you let's have these conversations and see if this is the only truth on earth right and allah was no exception but uh, also, I, I wanted to make it clear, like, just because I didn't really challenge him on too many of his ideas, just by no stretch of the imagination should it mean that I agree with everything that he said. Like, <laughs> nah, dog, that's not, that's not at all what's happening, okay? Um, so I wanted to fill you in. Like, I'm filling you in on a little bit of the things that I didn't say. Because, shit, we would have talked about this for five hours then if that was the case of I'm trying to talk about all this and on top of what it is that he was saying. But just in the interest of you know, doing what it is that we agreed upon before starting that episode, I let a lot of the things that he was saying, like, I, I kind of just let it slide. You know what I mean? Um, so I wanted to, you know, fill you in a little bit more of the backdrop. And the backdrop was, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the bicameral mind. So the question is, of course, well, what the fuck? What is the bicameral mind, dog? And like I mentioned, at its core, at its core, the bicameral mind, it literally just means two chambers. And it's the idea that we have there's fucking two parts of the human brain historically, right? They say historically, but I don't know how historical it is. I'm I'm not convinced that the bicameral mind still doesn't exist. And part of the reason why is because it, it you know, just because we don't re refer to this voice inside of our head as the voice of God anymore doesn't mean that, again, for many people, there isn't one there. Allegedly, there are some people who don't have it. I don't know. I've never met them. I'm not one of them. You know what I mean? Or maybe I have met them and they've never mentioned it. But that's not the point. The point is now that, you know, this is discounted as, well, it's not discounted even, right? It's not popular, but it's not fringe. It's it's there. You know what I mean? Uh, the bicameral mind theory. But what I'm saying is the the idea that people don't have the bicameral mind anymore, that's kind of just discounted and saying, no, we have a unified consciousness now and those voices are all one voice inside your head. I'm not convinced. I don't think that's the case, right? Just because we call it, you know, an ego, a superego, an id, uh, whatever, doesn't mean that it's any different. And this is important because what that means, I think it's important, is because what that means then is that we have people here on this planet who, like the people from the times of the bicameral mind theory, do operate as if though there is a voice inside of their head. And this is, <laughs> I don't want to say it's a problem, but I'm very weary of them when they're trying to, when, when they're trying to get me to agree with them. For all the reasons that I just said right now, conformity, authenticity, etc., like my own cultural shit, you know what I mean? But there's more. 
And, you know, part of it is like, it's, it always boils down to social control, bro. Think about it this way. This is quite literally, quite literally the stated purpose of plot of Project Blue Loop. Wow, my words are not working. Project Blue Beam, okay? And it's, uh, the bicameral mind is literally the foundation for it in many ways because literally the entire point of the Project Blue Beam is the idea that they're going to, they're going to project these words and images into our heads to give us the impression of either an alien overlord takeover or the arrival of a fucking messiah, okay? In order to, you know, unify us under this common umbrella, i.e. a one world government type shit, you know what I mean? So it's like, if I know for an absolute fact they're trying to do that now, what reason do I have to believe that this wouldn't have happened in the past either? So what I'm trying to say is, again, if you've met religious people, you'll know they're very, very firm in their convictions. There's nothing that's going to shake them from the belief that, yes, God exists, okay? And if they're like really, really, you know, deeply into it, they'll be like, I know God exists because I have spoken to God directly. <laughs> and when I hear that, again, the first thing I think about is the bicameral mind, like, I don't doubt that you think that you spoke to God. I just think that you're speaking to your bicameral mind. And that's just one way of reading it, okay? And notice, I'm not even saying it's a good thing or a bad thing at this point, dog. I'm just saying that it is a thing, okay? Again, going back to the whole notion of survival, that's how you ensure the safety and number of people. You have this person that comes along and says, I hear this voice inside my head. It is the voice of God. And it is telling me that you must all do this in order to ensure your guaranteed survival. And then every other person out there, because they also have that bicameral mind, was like, I hear the voice too. And it's also telling me this. And it's telling me that we should believe this person here. And that if we do this, everything's going to work out in our favor. And then, you know, they do that action. And then things do, in fact, work out in their favor. And they say, you see, it's because of this person and the voice of that, you know, God, that this happened to us. So this must mean for an absolute fact that uh, the God does exist and that it speaks through this person. And then if we do these one particular actions, everything will go well in our favor. That's literally the bicameral mind theory. Like, it's, I don't know, man. This, by the way, in the bicameral mind theory is what is known as narratization. And basically what narratization is, is that we make up reasons after the fact of why we do things. And, you know, <laughs> whatever reason it is that you come up with is, you know, you that's up to your reading. You can make them up for some cosmological principle like God and order, right? Or it could just be, I had no other way to explain this and I was just trying to find something to justify my actions. Like, you know, Mary and getting knocked up, trying to explain to Joseph why he shouldn't stone her. You know what I mean? Whatever the case the this bicameral mind theory dog it suggests again that in ancient civilizations this human consciousness it's not it wasn't as unified as it is right now the one that you and i are experiencing whether that's true or not i don't know man okay but this is what the idea proposed uh that early humans they had a very clearly divided mind which by the way according to modern science is not far off from true uh specifically because of the language the the parts of the region of the brain responsible for it it's usually only on the left-hand side. This is why I'm doing this on the left-hand side, for those of you who are watching the video. But they find that people with schizophrenia, it's also activated on the right-hand side, right? So that's part of the reason that some people say, you see, like this bicameral mind theory, it's got some fangs, bro. It's got some teeth, right? Uh, the divided mind, where one part of the mind, he calls it the executive and the godlike mind, right? Issues commands to the other part, and that these commands, according to his bicameral uh, theory, they're perceived 
as auditory hallucinations to the other. So literally the person has no idea that that voice is coming literally from within them. So they perceive him as a hallucination, much the same way a quote unquote schizophrenic would. And that um, according to this, that this voice is what is responsible to the development of introspective consciousness with individuals becoming more and more self-aware as time progressed evolutionarily and becoming less and less on these hallucinated commands. And one of the things that I personally, this is me personally, find interesting about the hallucinated commands is that it comes in the form of language and specifically in hallucinations. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, like the history of it, you'll know that I did an episode on Terrence McKenna. And one of his ideas was that mushrooms, which lead to hallucinations, uh, is what led to the development of modern language. So a little bit more, again, this is just me personally, it's got nothing to do with the bicameral mind, but every time I read this, this is the first thing that comes to my mind, right? So just an aside. What is important, and it brings us back to what I talked about at the very beginning of the episode, is the role that metaphors played in this bicameral mind theory, play in this bicameral mind theory. Now, before I continue, I need to explicitly make it clear, floricanto, insochit inquicat, Okay, metaphors. Nahuatl philosophy is heavily delivered through well, songs, songs specifically, chants, we call them, right? But it's very metaphoric Nahuatl language, okay? And um, it, just, it just makes so much perfect sense. It's like further validation. Things don't happen. Things don't happen by accident. Everything happens in accordance to a reason, right? Allah makes fun of my name. The very next week I discover my name. 13 turquoise rabbit, right? Short, that's the short end of it. But, um, you know, this, I'm having this conversation with Allah. I start watching Belly the very same night, and I remember, you know what I mean, like the bicameral mind. I'm having this conversation with Allah. Uh, I watch Belly, I'm sorry, the, the night before my conversation with Allah, and I remember the bicameral mind. And I, you know, sitting here talking to Allah, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, damn, this fool's having a verbal hallucination, probably. You know what I mean? Or maybe what he thinks is real actually is real, and he's performing an elaborate ritual to ensure that he, you know, attains the salvation in the form of a Muslim heaven that he's searching for. The ritual here being coming here and trying to spread the word of Allah, not him, like the Most High Allah, right? Whatever the case might be, going back to this uh, bicameral mind, they tell us that metaphors. They helped bridge the gap between the non-conscious mind that was issuing the commands and the individual's, yours and I's, interpretations of those commands, right? So, I mean, and it gets deeper, Doc. This is where more of the mushrooms come into play because the bicameral mind is going to tell us that ancient texts and religious scriptures, this is where they come from. And not only, so for those of you who you know, know the relationship between religion or Christ consciousness specifically and mushrooms, you know that's the connection right there. For me, again, this has got nothing to do with the, uh, the bicameral mind, but basically what they're telling us uh, is that this bicameral mind is responsible for the creation of ancient, ancient texts and religious scriptures, and that those texts and scriptures, that the, the reason why they're filled with metaphors is because that's literally how people started to make sense of reality as we're beginning this transition from these primates that don't use language to explain our reality to these modern humans that do. You know, we use these metaphors and we created these religious texts to help us concretize this newfound reality that we're creating, right? And that it's filled with these metaphors that conveyed a, originally a more literal and directive meaning. But what happened is that over time, this directive meaning and more literal interpretation 
slowly begin to become replaced because consciousness begins to evolve. And then these metaphors turn into, you know, symbolic language and myth, and they lose their direct hallucinatory, uh, hallucinatory rather, connection to the bicameral mind, right? So in essence, this, you know, metaphoric language, it served as a very crucial medium for conveying and interpreting the commands of the non-conscious mind into the context of the bicameral mind theory. So more directly, more directly, the shit on Jordan Peterson more, you know, as than I already did at the beginning of the episode, it's a direct fuck you to him and everybody else who laughs at the postmodernists, despite the fact that this is exactly what they're saying. What are they saying? Language shapes reality. This language is conveyed to us through our metaphors. We use these metaphors to explain the reality that we're living in, and it helps us, grand reveal for the whole fucking episode, navigates our experience on this slippery earth of Tlaltic Bak, okay? Whatever it is, the metaphor that you're using to explain this experience, maybe it all is one, and it's just different metaphors explaining it. Maybe there is multitude of truths, and there is just ways, metaphors to explain these multitude, uh, this plurality of truths. I don't know. All I know is that by telling people, no, there is only one way to do this, that doesn't resonate with me, and I don't believe it's real. In fact, I have reason to. I have plenty of reasons to show you why this is the case, right? Whatever the instance in rounding this bitch up, uh, the bicameral mind theory is just basically going to tell us that consciousness, as we understand it, it gradually starts to emerge as a product of societal and cultural changes, or the way the postmodernists like to, or perhaps more directly the Marxists like to state it. Your ideology is framed by your material conditions, okay? Your consciousness, what you think of reality, the story that you tell is shaped by the world that you were born into. Ours, mostly by the Christian world. That's why I talked about December and all that kind of stuff in the very beginning of the episode, right? It starts to, you know, this is an interaction between the consciousness and the concretized real world that we lived in, okay? And, you know, the consciousness that we have, as we understand it, is a product of our societal and cultural changes and vice versa. And eventually what happens, according to this theory, is that with the breakdown of the bicameral mind, it, what happens is people become more and more self-aware, that people became more and more introspective. And ultimately, it led to this unified sense of consciousness that we currently have. Again, me personally, I'm not convinced people don't, you know, there aren't some people still running around operating off the bicameral mind theory. And that's not a diss to them. That's not a diss to them because they'll tell you like, yes, this is this is exactly what's going on. Pointing to my friend Allah, who, you know, was sitting here the other day. He'll tell you like, yes, this is the voice of God and this is who I'm talking to. And it's not a diss to him. I'm just saying that I don't think everyone is like that. Simple and plain. The same way that I don't look anything like, uh, you know, he's Palestinian. The same way I don't look like a Palestinian because of my genetics, Right. Maybe a little bit like a Palestinian, right? Let's say a Nordic European. <laughs> the same reason I don't look like them is the exact same reason we don't perceive consciousness the, 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 the same way. And that is because of our genetic bringing, of, this, of, of the information stored in our genetics that allows us to see reality in entirely different ways. And I don't think that it's possible even to view it in a one unified way, okay? And moreover, I don't think that, you know, I don't want to say evolved because that implies some sort of inferiority. I don't think, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm trying to say that I don't think bicameral mind just completely disappeared off the evolutionary tree. I don't think that's the case at all either. I do think that there are some people who have 
you know, the breakdown of the bicameral mind as expressed through things as being more self-aware, capable of introspection, etc. But I also think that there's people that don't have that. And it's, again, it's not a diss to them. It's just, it's just, this is why I don't look like a Nordic European, is what I'm trying to say, okay? Anyways, the whole point in that, the whole point in that is just simply to state is that consciousness as this self-reflective and introspective capacity, it's, you know, it's said to represent a fundamental change in the way that humans process information and experience the world. So because I don't see the world the same way Allah does, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong, doesn't mean that he's wrong, it just means humans evolve differently, dog. That's all it means, okay? Anyways, before I wrap this bitch up, I did want to just quickly mention Belly. Actually, now that I think about it, I really want to do an episode on the psychology, not the philosophy, the psychology of Belly. But the reason, the movie Belly with DMX and Nas, right? But uh, the reason why I even mentioned it in the first place is because, again, in anticipation of my conversation, organically, it's not like I'm, I'm like, I was thinking, I'm going to have a conversation with Allah tomorrow. Let me watch Belly. Like, no, I was just going to watch Belly. I hadn't seen it in a while. And I had been thinking, like, oh, I want to see Belly. You know what I mean? And then the next day, my conversation with Allah. And uh, the reason, the, 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 the connection is because Belly, in many ways, is a film interpretation of the bicameral mind theory. And the reason why is like, in general, when you're watching films, cartoons, whatever, when you see people like in a vehicle, two people in a vehicle and they're driving, in many ways, it's interpreted as, in you know, the philosophy of film as it being a metaphor for the mind, right? And because Belly is two main characters, a sincere and uh, a buns, it's the bicameral theories, but, but it could also be other ways. And I'll talk about that maybe in another episode. But for now, that's what got me like thinking about <laughs> the bicameral mind theory. And then just like coming along and talking to Allah about it the next day, I was like, damn, this is fucking crazy. You know what I mean? I'm seeing it in action right now. But uh, yeah, man, I guess the point being is that if, if, you know, this monotheistic interpretation of reality is correct, even talking about the bicameral mind theory would be seen as a big taboo because anything that goes against the scripture is, you know, inherently evil. And it's, you know, one of the reasons why I was trying to get to when I state that it's intellectually weak in many ways, religion, at least the religions that don't allow you to question things and say, no, this is the truth. And you cannot ask any questions why, like, that's it's intellectually weak, dog, because it's easy to just say that all things are because of and then, you know, insert whatever God that you want here and then just shut down the discourse and never question anything again to which it's like, nah, dog, that, that, those entire, that goes against the entire nature of philosophical discourse. OK, we're here to ask questions. We're here to challenge everything, no matter how sacred and profane it might be. OK, and that whenever anyone comes along and tells you otherwise, you should definitely ask yourself why they are doing that, because chances are they're either trying to fuck you or take your money. Right. And I think that's about as good a point as any to end this bitch. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If not, I'm surprised you made it this far. <laughs> and if you did make it this far and didn't enjoy it, well, I'll try again next time, homie. Uh, but if you did, really, for reals, thank you. As always, I appreciate it. And I'll see you for the next one. Peace.